0: So today is Easter Sunday, and we gather as Christians all over the globe to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. And uh, thousands of years we've been celebrating, thousands of years we've been celebrating. And I would say millions, if not uh, billions of people have made it a point to come to church on Easter. It's just kind of what we do. Uh, some of you might be here this morning uh, under duress because someone in your family forced you to come to church on Easter. I like to affectionately call some of these people, the CEOs, the Christmas and Easter only crowd. Uh, Cause some, some, I don't know what it is, but even, even if you don't believe in Jesus, even if you don't believe the story, there's something inside of you that says, man, I don't know what it is, but I've got to be in, in church on Easter because that's what people do. And so if you're sitting here this morning, you don't believe in Jesus and you think we're a bunch of nutballs and you think that it's all a bunch of lies, I still welcome you to celebrate with us this morning. Yes. It's, po- it's, po- it's powerful enough, uh, and, and the story is compelling enough for us to be able to celebrate the resurrection of our risen Savior. Amen. Yes. <clears throat> but this wasn't just a, a day for celebration. It was the beginning of the changing of the world. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This was a day that changed all of humanity. Why? Because when Jesus rose from the dead, it it changed the world because it changed the people that were following Jesus. People that saw him rise from the dead, it changed the way that they viewed the world. And so they went out and they began to do amazing things because of what Jesus did on that Easter Sunday. Christians have influenced society in many ways. Christians have influenced uh, public education, and uh, we've influenced health care. Christians helped fight for the end of slavery in America. Uh, Christians fought for civil rights. Christians fought for medicine and science. And uh, we, we serve more orphans. We give away more food. We give away more clothing. The, what, what Jesus did of raising from the dead affected us so greatly that it has compelled us to go out as a force of good on this planet. And none of that would have happened if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. None of it. And so today we celebrate it. We get excited about it. It's the source of our hope. It's the reason for our strength. It's the passion in our lungs. It's our hope for eternal life. We celebrate Easter every single Sunday. Every Sunday is Easter to us. Every Sunday is the celebration of the resurrection. Why? Because if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, none of it matters. None of it matters at all. And so you're here today and some of you might listen maybe half-heartedly and go between listening to me and paying attention to your phone. And that's fine. Maybe maybe I'll I'll tell a funny joke today or a fun story. Maybe you get a little warm fuzzy to satisfy. But I don't want you to just leave and go back to your life and continue continue to live the way that you've been living. You're not intended to come to church and then have it stop in the parking lot. The the whole exercise is to get to understand the resurrection so that it could change your life. Amen. Amen. And if you don't know who I am or what we do here, we use the Bible here. That's what we do. Uh, Genesis, to Revelation, we are people of the book. That's what our that's what our uh, life is staked on. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It was wrote down inside of the Bible, and so we live by the Bible. That's what we do. It guides us. And and what we do here at Faith and Victory is that we go through a book of the Bible and we do it week by week. Uh, we're in the book of Matthew, uh, and so we've been going through the book of Matthew. Before that, we did Second Samuel and and First Samuel, and and it guides us. And I tell you this because. We believe in the resurrection. Yes. We, we believe that a man died on a cross who was the son of God that was, man, that was 100% God and 100% man. He died, he went into a tomb, he was dead for a few days and then he brought himself back from the dead. This isn't a symbolic story. This isn't like uh, uh, an allegorical story. We believe that a man physically died who was God in the flesh, and he physically came back from the dead. And we are staking our entire lives on this truth. And the Bible says that if we if, if we believe that and it's not true, that we are to be pitied above all men. If if, if we believe that and that story is false, the Bible even says that we are to be pitied. But there's no need to pity us. No need to pity us at all. Because today on Easter, we're going to do what we do every single Sunday is we're going to continue through the book of Matthew. Amen? We're going to continue through the book of Matthew. And, and people say, well, why, why, why not a special Easter message? Why? Because every Sunday is Easter. Not one scripture in this book matters if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. None of it. We should, we should be doing something else. But if he did raise from the, from the dead and he did, then every scripture in here has value to direct us in our lives. Amen. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter seven this morning. We're going to be in verses 21 through 29. And, and this is just where we are. It's just where we are. I didn't choose these scriptures. It's just where we are. You know, uh, I have a a friend, many of you guys know, pastor Christian, say amen. If you know, pastor Christian, we're talking this week. We do not like, I do not like preaching on Easter. I don't because it, there's too much pressure. You know, people come in like, oh man, this better be good. I'm going to waste my Sunday for this. It better, it better, be, better be better than last week. Listen, man, if you were here on Friday night, I, we can't outdo Friday night. Man, Friday night was a visitation. Yeah, I literally wanted to quit Friday night. I was like, I'm out. That's it. That was the best we got. We can't do anything. Else that it was so good. And so uh, Pastor Christian said now, it's being bright. He said, it's a secret. So if you're watching, keep this a secret. He calls me. He's like, you know, man, I don't even want to preach Easter this week. And I was like, yeah, man. I said, I didn't either. I said, I'm just sticking to Matthew. That's what I'm doing. He was like, bro, I found one of your old sermons. I'm preaching that. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, it's like bro, do it. Like, do it. Don't even say, use it as your own. He said, Well, I'm just kind of use it word for word. I don't care. Tell the stories about how you were in the army. They're gonna love it. So Matt, now don't tell if you want, don't tell. Don't we're friends, okay? It's a little secret between you and me and the hundred people that are watching. All right, so Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty-one says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine... And does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall none of this makes sense or matters if jesus didn't raise from the dead none of it but our eternity rests on this this is a a very important thing to grasp if if jesus did not raise from the dead then you cannot know him And he's, he's mean to say, if, if if I don't know you, that you're not going to make eternal life and then not raised from the dead. And then we can't actually know him. And so in the scripture, what he says, it's really quite simple. If you want to be with me, know me. And the way to know me is to do what I say, to build your life on the rock of what I say. And so we want to begin with that and say, you need to know Jesus. You need to know Jesus. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have, we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I would declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. And what what is Jesus saying here? Let me let me explain it to you so you, you get it. <clears throat> Just because you call Jesus Lord, but don't do what God wants, Jesus says that you are a lawbreaker. Yeah. And so he's gonna tell you, I don't know you, and he's gonna send you away from him. Now, if you don't understand what that means, you do not want to be sent away from Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You do not want, you do not want Jesus to look at you and say, I don't know you, you are not going to spend eternity with me. That, that's a, that's a scary proposition when you think about eternity. Now, some of you would say, well this is harsh, but it's not really, it's, it's just honest. It's Jesus saying, I don't want to give, I don't want you to give me lip service, I want you to actually know me and do what I say. There's not an earthly relationship that you have that you appreciate somebody giving you lip service. There's not. There's no one that you look at and you say, man, I I really like this person. They say one thing, but they do something completely opposite. There's not an earthly relationship that you have where somebody makes you a promise that they don't keep. Or they promise they're going to do something for you and they don't do it. Or they say that they're going to be there for you and then they're not there for you. There's none of us that appreciates that type of relationship. But somehow people take that type of, uh, of mindset and they say, you know what, I, I, I'm i going to apply this to to my relationship with God. I don't use this in my own earthly relationships, but somehow the creator of this universe who can see everything and know everything and can be a part of everything actually likes the fact that I say one thing with my mouth and then I do something totally and completely opposite. If Jesus raised from the dead and he did rise from the dead, then he reigns forevermore. He knows your thoughts. He knows your words. He knows your actions. And he knows if you're paying him lip service. And Jesus turns around and says, you know what? I don't need lip service. I need you to know me. I need you to know me. Does it work in your marriage? No. (laughs) If you're married and you give your spouse lip service, that doesn't work. Does it work in your parenting? I mean, uh, uh, many of us that have kids, you've been around kids, kids can't remember to do any chores around the house, yeah. but they can always remember something that you said. Right? And all the parents said, yeah. you can tell them to do something and they'll completely forget. Yeah. Doors will be left open. faucets will be left on. Yeah. Chores will be left undone. But you say, on this day, we're going to go do this. Yeah. And it's been months, and they're like, today's the day. <laughs> and for those, and for, those of, for those of you that are parents that give your kids lip service and don't follow up with, you say it, with what you say, you are damaging your relationship with your kids. Yeah. And, and they're going to have issues in their adult life because they're going to say, you know what? My parents were liars. They told me things that didn't come true. And then they're going to translate it when you try to tell them about Jesus, and then they're not going to want to follow Jesus because you lied to them in the real life. Does it work in your career? Does it work at your job? Does your job allow you to pay lip service? Do you have friends that love lip service? No, not at all. No one likes lip service at all. And it does not work in a spiritual sense either. God does not want lip service from you. Can I make it any more abundantly clear? Jesus does not want lip service from you. Why why would God want followers that didn't follow him? Why would God want followers that didn't know him? But the, the, the whole exercise of us being Christians is following Jesus so that we could know God because God has always wanted to know us. It has been this way since the creation of the universe. When God created Adam, it says that Adam walked with God through the cool of the day because God wanted a relationship with man. He has always wanted a relationship with us. He never wanted lip service. Jeremiah 9 23 24 says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. God says he delights that we know him and understand him. That's what he bases our relationship on. He says he does not like you to clamor after riches. He doesn't like you to clamor after the things of this world. He says, be not excited about what you have. Be excited about whose you are. To know that you are in relationship with the living God. Amen. Amen. God's heart is that we've all, that we would, God's heart has always been that we would have a robust, intimate relationship with Him. That's what He desires, that we would be in relationship with Him. Not just lip service, not just doing the external actions, but internalizing and fellowshipping with Him. Did you know that this is why people talk bad about Christians? Because we say one thing and do another. We claim to be a follower of Jesus. and Then we live our lives contrary to the scriptures and even people that don't believe in our scriptures and don't believe in Jesus call us out on our nonsense and say, you know what? You're not living according to what your own Bible says. And then we seem surprised that they don't want to follow the Jesus that we follow because we give lip service. John seventeen three says, and this is eternal life that they might know you the only true God and Jesus Christ that you, uh, whom you have sent and friend that is eternal life. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus today, he wants you to know him. He wants you to be in relationship with him. And so we gain and experience eternal life by knowing Jesus. And it's so much more than church on Sunday. A relationship and people say, well, I, I, I don't want to go to church, man. Well, you know what? It's not even about going to church. We should go to church because the Bible wants us to go to church, to be in church and worship God and be the called out body of believers. That's what he desires for us. But it's more than that. It's more than reading your Bible. It's more than serving. It's more than giving. It's more than fellowshipping with people. What he wants is he wants us to live a constant awareness of his presence on a yeah. daily basis. Yeah. 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 Now, Let me give you an uh, earthly example. Um, There was this thing that happened over the last year. Uh, It was called the coronavirus. Have have you guys heard about this? It it had a little bit of press. And and so there's a a disease. So you might remember about a year ago, they said two weeks, you might remember. And so um, over the last year, and I would just say, I, 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 I rarely say everyone, but I will say it today. Every one of you have talked about it. Every one of you have read articles on it. Every one of you have watched shows on it. Every, and I don't know what it is, man. But but now it's like taking over our lives. Yeah. Every conversation that you talk about, like you, you're like, so anyway, about the mask thing. Like I was, anyway, about the immunization thing. Anyway, did you watch this news story? You know what the CDC said this week? You know what Fauci said this week? You know what the, is this not your life as well? Yeah. Yeah. Please help me out. Yes. Am I lying or am I telling The truth. And if you've gotten to the point where you're like, dude, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Are you at that point yet? I passed it about six months ago. So done, over. You guys are even nauseated that I'm talking about it. You're like, can he use some other example besides this? That's how much you're over it. You're just like, I don't even want to hear a sermon example about COVID-19. Right? But let me continue for a minute. So... If you, you probably you probably have had this situation too, where you've even sat down at a meal with people and you've said no COVID nineteen talk. Yeah. Has anybody else done that too? Yeah. We're not talking about it today. We're just not doing that. No. No. Show me your hands, or I'm going to keep preaching. Okay? Yeah. All right, we go. But you can't help it. It's just part of the conversation. Yeah. Why, why, do I, why do I share that with you? Because. I think that some of you talked more about and thought more about COVID over the last year than you thought about your relationship with God. I think some, I think some of you have, have read more articles than you've read your Bible. I think you've watched more programs than you've watched sermons. You, it, you've allowed it to consume you. And, and the reason why I use that as an example is because that's what God wants you to be. God wants you to be consumed with him even more than you've been consumed with that thing over the last year. He wants that to be your constant conversation. He wants that to be your constant thought. When, you, when you're like, oh, should I do this and should I wash this? And how are we gonna do it? You should be thinking like, you know what, man, I want to honor God in this relationship. I want to honor God in this life. I've got to keep I don't I gotta keep myself free from COVID. I gotta keep myself free from sin. I want to honor God and, and then the constant thought in your mind. And so as you're going and you're leaving this place, you should get when you start to think about COVID, just translate like I gotta think about God i got to think more about my relationship with Jesus. He wants a constant, reflective communication with me all day long. Mental awareness of his presence daily, all day, every day, to know when you, when you wake up in the morning, he's there. When you go to bed, he's there. And all day long, he's there with you as well. Acts 17, 27 says, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Friend, he's not far from you. He's right here, right now, in front of you, wanting a relationship with you. Amen? Amen. I love Zephaniah 3.17. It says, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Isn't that a beautiful picture of your relationship with God? To think that the God of this universe is dancing over you and singing over you. Man, that's God, that's the relationship that He wants with us. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not some far away, distant, I don't know you, I don't want to be in a relationship with you. When Jesus says, I want to know you, He wants to know you yeah. intimately. Yeah. He wants to have a relationship yeah. with you. And people say, well, how, how can God do that for everyone? Because He's God. Yeah. That's who He is. He's God. See, when I pray and I worship or I communicate with God, I never picture him as overly busy, unable to meet my needs. I don't picture that at all. I don't don't think that I'm in line behind a billion people going like, when's my turn to talk to God? When I picture him in my mind's eye and I envision me before him, there's nobody else around. It's just me and God. And somebody would say, well, how is that possible? How can God uh, simultaneously communicate with 500 million people at the same time? It's because his name is God. He's God, not you. You, you. you can't fathom it. It makes no sense. People say, well, I couldn't." I don't know one person that could do that. Good. Good. You, you should know a person like that because only God can do that. Amen? Yeah. How can we fathom a God that would come in human form, die on a cross for our sins, and then raise himself from the dead? We can't fathom that. And that's why we serve him. It's outside of our comprehension and our intellect to be able to fathom it. And that's just the way that it is. See, I don't want to serve a God that I can know. I want to serve a God that's mysterious. I wanna serve a God that, that is beyond my comprehension. I don't want somebody that can put in a box and say, this is exactly how He is and this is exactly what He does. I wanna live in the mystery of a Creator that says, you want, I'm gonna show you things you've never seen. I'm gonna tell you things that you've never heard. I'm gonna do things in your life that you've never seen before. I want the mystery of a God who formed the earth from nothing, a God that parted the Red Sea, saved Noah, took down the walls of Jericho, defeated the prophets of Baal, made the donkey talk, walked on water, healed the sick, raised the dead kind of God, the kind of God that I can't fathom. Amen. That's the God I want to serve. Not some understandable God. Paul said in Philippians 3, 10, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. I want that power in my life. I want to know what that resurrection power is is like. And when Jesus said, many will say to me, friend, it means that there's going to be many people that claim to know God, but God does not know them because they haven't fully submitted to him in their life. They just haven't. See, again, Jesus says, I, 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 I want to know you. I want to know you. And I'm telling you this morning, he can be found. You can know Jesus. You don't have to leave here today and wonder, well, can I know God? And can God know me? It says in Proverbs eight seventeen, I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently will find me. Now, I will tell you, if you're anything like me, I am really tired of this world it's so nonsensical there is so mu- there is so much that makes no sense <sighs> it's just nonsense man the stuff that you're really like wow i really didn't think it could get even weirder than it was <laughs> i can I can't, I can't really think that it could get worse than it got and and i didn't even like the world in 2019 like I, I was, I was already done with the world in 2019. And now in 2020, I'm just like, man, you can have it. The, the world can just do whatever it's going to do. But I, I'll tell you one of the greatest gifts that God has given me over the last, uh, uh probably four, no, I guess what it's been 13 months is that I, I, I'm just leaning into God now more than ever. I want what God wants. I don't want what the world wants. I mean, this is literally, this this has been one of the greatest years because all the things that preachers have always preached against were, were removed and we really got to see what people were for. And what I've learned over the last year is that I love God. I love his church. I love his people and I don't need much else. I really don't. I mean, I, I just don't, I, I've, I've had a great year of just fellowship and love and worship and, and being in his presence. And the world is going to continue to do what the world is going to do. And people are like, I can't believe that that's whatever. I'm like, you want, know I can't believe that you are still following the world as a source of strength and power. That's what I can't believe. What I can't, what I can't believe is that you haven't figured out that the world doesn't satisfy. I can't believe that you haven't figured out that all that stuff's a bunch of nonsense and you don't need it anyway. That's right. And again, man, I'm not going to be some super holiness. You can't go bowling kind of guy. If you want to go bowling, dude, go bowling. What I'm saying is, is that it's life is more than bowling. Amen. Life is more than a sporting event. Isaiah 55, six says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And I will tell you, he can be found right now. He can be experienced right now. I don't know about you, but I'm not living in fear anymore. I'm not living with worry anymore. I'm not living in doubt or disbelief anymore. And you can have that type of assurance right now if you would get to know Jesus. I just, I don't, I don't, people say, well, what are we going to do in the future? I'm going to follow Jesus because that's what I've been doing. What if this is this? I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what what I've been doing. I really don't care what changes. I don't care how the laws change. I'm going to worship Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. Amen. That's what my life is going to be about. And so when your life is about that, you know, Jesus, all the stuff that comes, you don't even worry about it. Amen. Galatians two 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life, which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And, and we talk about Easter you think about the horrible death that Jesus died on the cross. He did it so that he could know you and you could know him. So you could be a relationship with him. He is not far from you. You can be in a relationship, a robust relationship with the creator of the universe. And so how do we do that? People say, well, that's good pastor. I, I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. Well, Jesus told us what we need to do because and here he starts It says to me, whoever says to me, Lord, Lord, I never knew you. And then right after it, he says, therefore, whenever Jesus says, therefore, he's connecting it to what he just got done saying. So he says, I want to know you, you can know me. And then he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, what I just said, and does them. You hear the sayings of Jesus, and then you do them. So if you say, well, I don't know Jesus, how do I get to know Jesus? You hear the sayings of Jesus, and then you do that. Amen. And then when you do them, then you get into a relationship with him. And he says, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And so great was its fall. So Jesus uses this example and says, if you want to be wise, now say amen. If you want to be wise, he says, build your house on the rock And the rock is the sayings of Jesus, the things that he taught. And then he goes so far and says, well, if you're not going to build your life on what I've told you to do, you are a fool. You are the same type of person. If I, if I said to you, Hey, we're going to build a house, but your house is going to be built on sand and someone else here is going to get a house that's built on a rock. None of you would say, I want to build my house on the sand. Because we all know this. We've all been to beaches when we were kids and built stuff on sand and, and, and watched the waves come in and, and blow it away. And we said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to build on a house that's built on sand. I want to build my house on the rock. I want to build my house on the rock of Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a very easy word picture. Rock good, sand bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. Can it, can it get any clearer than that? Yeah. Rock, good, sand, bad. Sayings of Jesus, good, not following the sayings of Jesus, bad. Yeah. You know, years ago, uh, uh, Gabe and I went down to San Diego uh, with my family and, and Gabe and I had learned how to surf. And, and we were on this beach. Gabe surfed, I didn't. And so we're on this beach. We're, we're on this beach and uh, there was a cliff. And this, this cliff uh, was, I don't know, it was probably like 100 feet and, and we were down there and we we're on the beach and, and the cliff was like here and we were sitting here and there's people that were sitting underneath that cliff and it was a sandy cliff. And people were like, oh, I'm gonna sit in the shade. I'm like, I'm gonna roast in the sun before I sit underneath that shade because I, I, I'm, I'm smart enough to know that there's houses up there on top of that thing. And it never fell while we were there at all. But I'm like, I'm not taking that chance. Why would you sit underneath a wall of sand with a house underneath it? Just last year, same beach we went at, that whole thing fell down and buried people alive that were sitting up against that sandy cliff, thinking that thing's just going to stand uh, and, and it cost them their life. Why, why do I share that story with you? is because if you are building your life on anything other than Jesus Christ, you are not going to make it.) Yeah. And, and you might have a moment in your life where it seems like things are okay. I'm sure those houses that were up on that cliff uh, thought that their life was going to be okay. They're like, oh, this is a beautiful multi-million dollar house in San Diego. We got a view of the ocean. What could go wrong? But they built their house on something that was not stable. And so one day when they least expected it, their house fell into the sea because they did not build their house on the rock. Same thing with your spiritual life. You might be doing just fine right now. You look at me and you are saying, "What, oh, Pastor? I've been fine without Jesus. I've been fine." But I will tell you that you will not be fine for eternity without Jesus. You just won't. If you have not built your house on Jesus Christ, your house will come crumbling down. And maybe right now you are doing fine, and the bills are paid, and the kids are healthy, and everything's going fine in your life. But I will tell you that calamity always comes. It just does. It always comes. The basic American life is, is, is so interesting because the basic American life goes something like this, go to public school, maybe go to college, go to the military, get a job, get married, get a house, have kids, do stuff, retire and die. That's it, man. That's, that's just life. And so those begin to, those are the things that people build their life on. They tell their kids like, get good grades. You'll have a good life. Go to college. You'll have a good life. Get a good job. You'll have a good life. That's what people build their lives on. And then all of a sudden, all these things that people build their lives on get taken away from. And they're like, what are we going to do? Well, you've built your life on something that is sand and not something that is the rock, man. Not at all. You know, the last year in, in the pandemic with shutdowns and food shortages and riots and political riots. I mean, heck, our, our capital was stormed. Any foundation you had on, if you, if you had your foundation built on money, you had to think about it more last year than you ever thought before. If you had your foundation built on your individual freedoms, you, you, you had to face that more like ever before activities, or you thought your government was good, or you had a job or your family, all these other things. At some point I pray and hope over the last year you thought to yourself, man, what am I actually building my life on? Why, why do I care so much that about this? So, some of y'all were, were, were had things taken away from you and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't do this. When you never should have staked your life on that in the first place. Because either you're building your life on the rock of Jesus Christ or something else. Jesus is the rock. Everything else is sand. This is why Jesus said in John thirteen seventeen, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That's what he said. He said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And it's really quite simple. If you want to build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, you have to do what he says. You have to do what he says. He he wrote it in the Bible. He didn't write it, but the Holy Spirit wrote it in the Bible so that it could be of instructions to us of how we're to live our lives. And so it's quite easy. We listen to the Bible. We read the Bible. We study the Bible. We find things that say things. Then we readjust our lives to live according to the Scriptures. And so we live according to the Scriptures. Then we have a robust living relationship with Jesus Christ because we do what he says. And Then he knows us. And then we know him. Amen. When Jesus says that he never knew you, he says, the way you can know me is to do what I said to do. 1 John 5, 3 says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. And they're not. Like, I, I don't understand why people are like, I don't want to be no Christian. They're a bunch of sour face. Nobody's like, I don't get that at all. Love is the way to go, man. Loving people's the best. Forgiving people's the best. Serving people's the best. I love living in harmony with other people. The God life is the best life. I love living under the precepts of God. I, I love serving Jesus. I don't see it as a burden. I don't say, oh my gosh, I can't go do this because I'm a Christian. No, Here, here's, here's the problem though, is, is, is uh, people love their sin. They, they love drunkenness and pornography and gossip and anger and lust and all these other things. And in their mind, they think, Man, if I have to give up all that and I'm just going to have the creator of the universe in a relationship, that doesn't seem like it pans out, man. I'd much rather keep this stuff. But in the end, man, sin never pays. Sin never satisfies. It destroys your life on this side of heaven. It just does. And I've seen it many times. I've never seen somebody who's following God wholeheartedly and have their life fall apart. I just don't see it. What I see is people that aren't following God, their lives fall apart, and they vacillate between following God and not following God. Like, man, I just can't seem to figure it out. Well, maybe you didn't go to public school like I did. And and I learned to just read it and do what it says. It's just a whole lot easier. I don't want to fight God. That's not what I want to do. Now, 1 John 1, 6 and 7 says... If if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen? Amen. And so what we do is we just walk in the light. Yeah. This is what we do. We say, well, how do you walk in the light? Let me explain it to you. Now, I don't know if you guys know this about your pastor, but I love ice cream. <laughs>
1: Name
0: me Anybody else love ice cream? <laughs> Pastor Kevin doesn't. Where's he at? <laughs> Pastor Kevin doesn't like ice cream. Pray, pray for him. Lay hands on him. Cast out that demon in Jesus' name.
1: <laughs>
0: I love ice cream, man. I love it. And you guys may not know this, but I have high caloric needs. And what does that mean? Well, I'm six foot five, 230 pounds, and I consume about 3,500 calories a day. And, and that's just maintenance calories. Uh, just to live. Some of you guys are like, oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, dude, it just, uh, it's a, the price of being a big guy. Just eat a lot of calories. And so the way that I meet my caloric needs sometimes is through ice cream. Ah, oh, glory. Amen. Um, and, uh you know, faith, faith is my ice cream buddy. My daughter, faith, man, she loves her some ice cream too. And so, uh, crystal, you know, she's crystal. She's, you know, diligent. And, uh, and, uh me and, uh, not me and, not me and faith, man. we, we pound on that ice cream. It was funny. When, when everything was going down last year and all y'all were buying toilet paper and protein, me and Faith were like, ice cream. And so we're like in there. and was like, everybody's running the other way. We were like gallons and gallons of ice cream. We called it panic ice cream. We're like, man, we got to get this stuff. I, y'all need coffee. I need ice cream. That's what I need. And so some nights me and Faith will get done eating dinner and she'll look at me over the table like, are we doing this tonight, dad? I'm like, oh, we're doing it. Let's go. Get some it. we're going to scoop it up. So because we eat a lot of ice cream, there's times that I have to venture out on the run amongst the zombies and get to the store to do a run for getting ice cream. And so a few weeks ago, I was up at uh, um, the store getting my ice cream. And and, and I know that you guys probably buy one at a time. I literally buy like eight at a time. That's what I do. Wow, Wow, I can't believe that. (laughs) Listen, say the same thing I say to myself when I look at every bowl. It ain't meth. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, there ain't nothing in the Bible that says you can't eat ice cream. You know what's so funny? I talk about these things in my sermons, and then people later in the day, because I talked about it, you guys are like, no, I'm going to get some ice cream today. They're going to put that bowl, take a picture, like Pastor we're living out the sermon. And so, uh,. So anyway, I go and I'm buying the ice cream and then I'm in the self-checkout line. I will tell you, I hate the self-checkout line. Why? Because it's possessed. Like, I don't know what, you take it, you scan it and they're like, please don't put it in yet. You haven't scanned it yet, you gotta take it out. And then it's like, don't bag that yet. How much does this weigh? Is this on special? Put in your special number. I get so frustrated. And so, like, I, I couldn't figure out the ice cream, so I called the gal over and I'm like, we just help this. And it's like, oh, you can't put it in first. Like, and yeah. so I have to do it again, and so pull it all out, redo it, and so and I re-scanned them all in. I put my eight things in. I got my bags. I looked at my receipt, and I was like, two of them didn't ring up. And so you know what? I man, I mean, I'm just gonna be honest, man. I love Jesus. I love him. But I was like. My first thought was, "Dude, this is a busy store. This place makes a billion bucks. I do not want to go through this thing again. Crystalline ain't here.
1: <laughs>
0: you guys have your crisis of faith. I have mine. And then I was like, you oh, old man, that ain't right. I ain't going to hell for ice cream. And so I was like, excuse me, I didn't ring this. It's funny, when you're a Christian and you say these types of things, people always look at you like, why didn't you just steal it? (laughs) Like, they can't believe it. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry, I rung up only six and I was supposed to get eight. Can you charge me for the other? And they always look at you like, you know what I'm saying? And I literally say to them, I always say like, man, I ain't going to hell for ice cream. So just get me to what, why do I, why do I share that story with you? Because honestly, that's, that's what a relationship of following Jesus looks like. It's, a, it's not this big walk on water, heal the sick, raise the dead type of following Jesus. It's the, it's the minutia. It's the small parts of your life. It's when nobody else is watching. Are you going to honor God? Jesus says, don't steal. Then don't steal. Right. And, and, and I don't say that for some trophy of not stealing ice cream. I'm using it as an example to let you know that that's the daily walk with God. You just say, man, I'm not supposed to look at that. I'm not supposed to listen to that. I'm not supposed to say that. I'm not supposed to do that. And I want to honor God with my life. Amen. And honoring God is more important than getting a couple free cartons of ice cream. That's how you live the God life, man. That's what you do. John 14, it says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and he will come to him and, and make our home with him. And that's the life I want to live. The generous, loving, serving, living for God kind of life. And 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 it's no different with your close personal relationships. Aren't those built on the small things? Aren't they built on the man you remembered and you honored me and you lived by your word? And and, and this is somebody that I can trust. This is somebody that's my friend. We all want those types of relationships. And that's the type of relationship that God wants with us. And so God promises that if we do that, he will take care of us as well. If we would just honor him, if we, if we would live according to his precepts, that he would honor us. And he would say, you know what? Now we can be in a relationship with one another. You and I can live a, a, a robust relationship one with another. It says in Psalm ninety-one, fourteen: because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on eye because he has known my name. Amen? Amen. God wants to know you. And if you don't know him and you say, man, how do I know him? You give your life to him and then you just do what he asks you to do. And you don't do what he asks you to not do. And then you just live the God life. Now, you, you may not know this about me, but my, my favorite book of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. And if you've never read the book of Ecclesiastes, I highly encourage you to do it. I really do. Uh, if you feel like you're lost and you're like, man, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Every time I feel like I'm just a, a quarter bubble off, I always pick up the uh, book of Ecclesiastes and you read it. If you're a good reader, probably, in you know, 20 to 40 minutes, depending on your speed. And it gives you such insight to where you're at in your life. Cause usually you've just kind of got, your heart has gone somewhere else. And I love at the end of Ecclesiastes, you can put that scripture up because it just kind of encapsulates it all it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. That's it, man. That's the, if you're like, man, what does God want from me? Fear God, keep his commandments. This is man's all. This is, this is life. This is what we're about. It doesn't matter what the world does, no matter what's taken away from us, what's given to us, what requirements you put on us. Fear God, obey his commandments. This is man's all. And so my encouragement to you today on this Easter Sunday is to believe in the resurrection. Believe that Jesus Christ raised from the dead. To know that because he rose from the dead, we can know him. We can know him intimately. And the way that we know him is by doing what he said. And so in that last day, when he says, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, he will not be saying it to you because you know him and he knows you because you do what he says. Amen. 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 Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I'm going to give you an opportunity to become one. And it's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you've given your life to him or you haven't. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never been set free, if you've never asked God to forgive you of your past sins, and today you're ready to follow Jesus. Not superstition, raise your hand, go back and live in the world. I'm talking about today you're done. You're getting on the Jesus bus and going wherever it takes you. If you've never made that decision before and you'd like to make it for the first time, raise your hand right now and say that to me. I need to become a Christian today. We want to pray with you. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision for the first time today? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, for the rest of us, I would encourage you today, maybe you've been far from God. Maybe you, maybe you know the truth, but you've been away from the truth. You say, you know what, Pastor? I, I, I was raised right, and it's been years, and I've been away from Jesus, but today I'm ready to come back. And you'd like to rededicate your life to Jesus. God will hear that cry as well. Is there someone that needs to rededicate their life to Jesus today? You can raise your hand. We'll pray for you as well. Thank you, Father. Now, I don't know what God spoke to you in, in the sermon today. Maybe there's something you need to be doing that you're not doing. Something you're not doing you need to start doing. Just repent. Just go to Jesus. So Lord, help me to live according to your word. Help me live a life that honors you. Father, we thank you for this word. God, we thank you that you're a God that redeems and saves and sets free. God, we want to know you. We want to know every part of you. So God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will do what you ask us to do, Lord. We will live according to your word